Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast, helping you invest in property for freedom, choice, and profit. You'll learn new, innovative, and multiple streams of property income, whether you want to start, scale, or systemize, and even if you don't have deposits. Hi, I'm Peter Jones, Chartered Surveyor, Author, and Property Investor, and this is the Progressive Property Podcast. And today, I'm joined by Murat Hekir, otherwise known as Mo. So we'll call you Mo. How are you doing, Mo? Thanks, Peter. Very good, thank you. Excellent. Mo, you've been part of the Progressive community for a few years now, haven't you? And I know that you've been through Masterclass and VIP as part of your property journey, and we'll explore that. But you haven't always been in property. No, no, I haven't. But you've always been fairly entrepreneurial. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so tell us about that. Even as, as a young man, you were kind of like making a bit on the side as, as a, at school and college? Yeah, and yeah, where I could. I think it all started, uh, it probably all started with Monopoly as a kid, playing with my cousins at Christmas. I just loved, I loved it. Um, and then went to, uh, in secondary school, I got into the tuck shop uh, there. So we started up a tuck shop business. Um, just buying stuff from the cash and carry and, and selling it. Um, and yeah, and it just went on from there, really. Um, well, that is very enterprising at school to actually be setting up and running the tuck shop. Yeah, it was a joint effort with me and a few other guys. Um, but yeah, it was good fun. I think it was just a good excuse to kind of skip lessons and go and uh, go to the cash and carry and actually have a reason to do it. Um, and yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a great success. And your actually. school encouraged you to do that? Yeah, absolutely. It was well, part of their young good, entrepreneurial yeah. programme that they had, okay. yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it obviously bore fruit, didn't it? And then I think from your bio, you went on to work at a fish and chip shop or something? Or Yeah, I, yeah, that was actually before. Yeah, so I started, I, I've just always, I think I've always loved the freedom of, of being able to buy things. So even from kind of 15, mm. I would work at the fish and chip shop, um, started off at £2 an hour. Um, and I think I got up to about £2.75 uh, by the time I left. Um, and all the pucker pies I could eat, so that was that was really nice. Yeah, well, that um, that really does appeal. <laughs> <laughs> I probably shouldn't say this, but I just do love pies actually, although I'm trying not to. So they do those lovely bolty ones, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'd be ruined in that job. I'd be fifty-six stone and completely wasted. But there we go. So that was your taste of entrepreneurialism at, at a yep. very young age. What what happened after that? You were you were at school. Yeah, you were going to go to college. Yeah, so I went to uh, I went to college, um, and um, yeah, I just I've just always loved uh, just getting involved with things. I actually started, but when, by the time I got to uni, I'd actually um, I was doing some promo work for some companies in London. They did like experiential marketing things, like handing out leaflets and stuff like that, and doing samples of fruit juice and things. Um, and I actually managed to set up an arrangement where I was their like local. Uh, kind of uh, employ- recruiter, if you like, in the, in the southwest. Mm. So they'd have these campaigns that needed people um, to, you know, promote co-op or whatever it was. And uh, yeah, I'd find the people, and then I'd make a margin on on their time as well. So and that, yeah, that I really enjoyed that. That was, I think, that was my first like limited company that I actually set right. up, okay. which was pretty cool. Yeah. Taking a step back, yep. going to college wasn't altogether straightforward, though, was it? No. What, what no. happened there? <laughs> I think um, I don't know. I've never been that I've kind of been academic and I've been to a good school but I wasn't really I don't know it didn't really push my buttons and I didn't mm. really uh, enjoy it that much so um, I didn't actually spend that much time uh, uh, when I got to sixth form and I ended up getting a C and E and a U at AS level uh, and I was at quite a good grammar school locally so they weren't that impressed with that and kind of encouraged me to, to look elsewhere um, so I, I ended up going redoing the the kind of the first year of sixth form and going down to uh, Falmouth and going to a college down there. 
Now, you had a lot of support from your mum at this yeah, point, didn't yeah. you? Your mum sounds really cool. <laughs> she is, yeah. <laughs> because she, she found you quite an, a, a really great course, didn't she? What yeah. were you doing in Yeah, France? so it was, a, it was a BTEC in in management, but with a focus on water sports. And absolutely massive credit to her, really. Um, she found the course, she encouraged me to do it. I was, I was quite reluctant to do it, I didn't want to do it. But yeah, she found this course where it was two days in the classroom, Wednesdays off, and then two days on the water, uh, learning sailing and kayaking and, and windsurfing and things like that. So Fantastic. Yeah, and, and the best thing about it, it was enough UCAS points to get into university, yeah. which was just fantastic for doing that kind of course, uh, you know, to, to, to then have effectively the same as getting two A's at A level. You know, it's the same, same UCAS points, so that was great. Now, I imagine that there's obviously great benefits of doing a course like that, but the big danger is it must be giving you such a sense of freedom. It must yeah. be quite hard to actually settle down after that. Yeah, it is. It's, yeah, it, it is tricky. Um, and and try, trying to get back into doing five days, you know, going to university and, and stuff wasn't, wasn't that easy. But um, yeah, it was, it was a great course. It was fantastic. Yeah. So you did go to uni. What did yep. you study there? So I did um, business economics with accounting at university. Right, um, getting back into the entrepreneurial Yeah, flow. Yeah, I, I think the numbers, I always quite like the numbers. The maths was the C I got at AS, which mm. well, even though it wasn't that good, it was the best of the three. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I always liked, liked numbers and, uh, and business, and I thought that was, the, that was the best course and the most accessible one I had. Mm. Um, yeah, so I went to do that. Right, brilliant. Now, it's around about this time that you started getting a bit of a taste for property. Yeah. You were still at uni. Yeah. What did you do? So... I actually went. I actually went to try and get a, a, a placement year job. I was doing a sandwich course where you do a couple of years and then you have a year in industry and then you do your final year. And uh, I, I actually applied to a few uh, places. I went to um, for a role at American Express in London and, and things like that, but didn't mm. get didn't actually get any of those. So I ended up working in the bar at the student union uh, as a, as a bar shift manager, uh, which was actually amazing fun, as as you can imagine. Mm. Um, and in that time, we myself and my now business partner and friend James um, we actually had a salary we had pay slips and even though it was only a you know a 12-month contract and I was only earning I think it was 12 I think it was 12,000 pounds for the 12 months um, so not a lot of money but with his salary that he had from his placement year we managed to get a mortgage for our first property because we'd seen we'd seen shared houses and we would lived in them and we knew what we you know we could work out what the landlord was making we didn't know about the finances of the mortgage and the bills and things like that but we knew there was some money to be made there, so so we bought our first house in our our, sam, our like placement year at university, which wow. was amazing. I still don't know how we got a mortgage, but credit to the mortgage broker that, that, that got us the, that mortgage. I think that started it all off. Right. So that would be what, like a four or five bed bedroom house. Yeah. So it was it was three bed. It was it was a three bed house, um, but the. That the attic had been half converted. The actual attic itself had been done and insulated, but there wasn't a staircase, an accessible staircase to get up there. So we then added a bedroom by making that usable. And so then when we actually moved in, we had myself, my business partner, and uh, we, we had two friends live with us. And um, they basically paid the bills and the mortgage and, and everything else. And me and James lived there, lived there for free that year. And we'd added value to the house in the process as well. Well, I was going to say it's a fantastic story because you weren't just investors, but you're also dabbling with development. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Luckily, I think I think it was his cousin uh, was a, was a carpenter, and he actually came and uh, we gave him some money, and he came and did did the staircase for us and made it accessible, and then we did all the painting and everything else ourselves. 
Um, so yeah, and w that was our first taste of kind of adding value to property and yeah. And for anybody who's listening to this who might be worrying about the details, presumably all complied with building regs. Absolutely, and yeah, 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 of, of course. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. done properly. Just get your specialists in, yeah. 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 yeah, brilliant. So that was you off and running in property, except presumably it actually wasn't because you then got sucked into the big wide world of having a proper job. Yeah, so we, we, didn't, we didn't know about progressive property and we didn't know about property education and we thought that the way you kind of did property was you you bought a house and then you did you we knew about adding value so we knew we could add value to it and rent mm -hmm. it out but then really we thought actually the only way to to go to go up is actually to sell and buy something bigger and then you know and you can wait for the market to go up and sell and buy two or whatever so we didn't know about refinancing or anything like that so we went off and got our graduate graduate scheme jobs i worked went to work for lloyds and james went to work for a construction firm um, and yeah, we just held on to that house for three years and uh, rented it out. Oh, sorry, two years after we left and rented it out. And uh, yeah. But but during that time, you had a proper job yep. with Lloyd's. Yeah, Lloyd's in, Bank, yeah. In risk management. Yeah. Yeah, which is which is quite a highbrow job, isn't it? So it is good. It, it, it was not sexy, um, but it is. it does teach you a lot of fundamentals and the, the various risks to the bank. Um, and things like that, and, and how they manage those, and how they manage the portfolio of, of investment projects is the, the bit I was I was focused focused on. And what were you based for that? So it was actually a rotational scheme. So I did six months in London, six months in Edinburgh, six months back in London, and then three months up in Halifax. Right, um, so, so all around where they had head offices. Nowhere near your house, which is uh, down in Plymouth. Uh, yeah, well, I was actually for when I was in London, I was living with my mom, with my mum who lives in Essex. Yeah. Uh, so actually, but yeah, nowhere near the house that I yeah. owned. Yeah, 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 yeah. down in. Uh, down in Plymouth so we had an agent that was managing that yeah. um, but it was a great scheme and I think that the benefit of that was just seeing various areas of the bank and getting involved with different things but it was never it was never really what I wanted to be doing there was always something there and I knew we had the property on the side and that was always much more interesting than, mm. than what was actually going on at work so right yeah. well that, that's interesting isn't it because as a young man presumably with that sort of scheme you're probably making quite good money the temptation must have been seeing other guys you know city positions big bonuses all that kind yeah. of stuff which we perhaps stereotypically associate yeah. with the banks and everything that must have been a temptation but you were thinking actually I want to go and do my own thing I, I was but I think my actions probably spoke louder than my words and actually I did stay there for three years and then mm. went to, to work for another bank for another two and a half years so actually like as you mentioned the, the temptation of the money and things like that and the bonuses actually did keep me probably in that job for longer than I was thinking I was going to be doing it for mm. um, and it, it was good fun and it's great experience and actually I look back now and I wouldn't have done it a different way because there's so many fundamentals that you that you learn and um, how to navigate a you know a big corporate organisation and how to manage your time and how to communicate with people and management skills as well that I think that that's actually really helped in the, the property journey now. Mm. Um, so it was I don't I don't regret doing it, but yeah, certainly as soon as I got out, I was it was uh, I was really happy. Yeah. Okay, so what made you get out? So after Lloyd's, I went. Uh, I moved to HSBC, and I was doing some. I was doing contracting, and that gave me a little bit, a little bit more flexibility in terms of what I could do. I could manage my time a bit more. I had some, had more time working from home, so I could actually, you know, if I could get all my work done and, and be really efficient, then it, it meant I could do some other bits as well. Um, and I, and I, the, the best thing with working from home was not having to do the travel time. So I, I could save an hour at the beginning, an hour at the end of the day, and I could use that to, to do more property. So. Um, October 2014, we 
James and I went to, which was just after I started at HSBC, James and I went to a multiple streams of property income event in London at the, at the Pullman Hotel. I w- actually went past this morning on the way up here mm. and brought back some good memories. And we went to that and we didn't really know what, what it was all about. Um, we got the ticket with a, a multiple streams of property income book, I think. Yes, I know, the uh, blue one, the yeah, one with the blue that's, cover. That's the one. Yeah. Um, and so we went along to that and I'd done some other training with some other providers and I, it started to open my eyes as to what was available. But um, it, nothing really kind of clicked. and I didn't get the spark. But then we went along to multiple streams of property income event. And, and maybe actually the difference was initially I didn't go with James when I, when I went to the other training events. Um, I, it was on my own, so it was kind of like loads of great ideas, but actually communicating that to, to him and to, to everyone else probably wasn't as easy. Went to multiple streams of property income with him. And uh, yeah, and we just looked at each other and thought, this is, this is crazy. Half the... Ten percent of the stuff we knew because we'd already done a property, mm. uh, done a property, but actually, yeah, there was a lot in there that that we were just like, this is amazing, like mm. refinancing. We never, we didn't need to sell the property that we'd sold the year before in 2013. Mm. We, we sold that to buy another one, which we thought that's how you did it. Mm. Um, so yeah, October 2014 was where it started, and then went on to masterclass. Um, I think we sat at multiple streams and said, well, we're not going to buy anything. Um, we're going to sit on our hands, and you know, we're just going to get get the free content that was there, but. I think we thought that if that's what we're getting for free at this event, then let's pay for some stuff because this is really good. Mm. Um, so we went to masterclass and signed up for VIP mm. um, for, for the following year, from January to December. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's that's where it, that's the next step. And of course, that's where we met because I remember yeah. that I had a VIP mentoring yeah, session yeah, with exactly. you and James. Yeah, absolutely. Before you left, yeah. 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 yeah, so if I've been part so of your journey, yeah, so thank you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, the, yeah sorry. So, so by that time, you actually yeah. sold the property and you're sitting at the multiple streams property income event and you're looking at each other and thinking, oh, why did we sell that yeah, property? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We'd sold, I mean, we, we made a fair bit of money on it. I think we made about 25, 30,000 on it mm. after we'd taken uh, the, the price of the works out. Um, and we'd actually sold a four bed HMO uh, and, and bought a five bed or a four mm. bed that we were then going to turn into a five bed. Um, so we thought, oh, you know, we're, we're pretty good at this. We made a profit and uh, and we reinvested and we've got a bigger house and we can get more rent now. And we thought we were, you know, compared to our friends, I suppose, and, and, and our peers, we we had an investment property and we'd done a, effectively a flip as well. Mm. So we were fairly ad- advanced. But actually, when we went there, it was just like the options were incredible, different strategies that you could do. So Yeah. So you got yourselves educated. Absolutely. But, but obviously you're still thinking about multi-lets and you're still thinking about back home in Plymouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, I mean, we, we proved that the model worked in terms of the, the rental demand down there. It's a big university uh, kind of city and um, and there's a lot of professional HMOs there as well. So, yeah, we knew that that was kind of the strategy for us. Um, yeah. Yeah. So property was it. You looked at each yeah. other and you said, right, we need to do this seriously. Well, that's it. And I think, well, I think the other thing is James, James has got a construction background and I've obviously done business and, and finance. Mm. So we thought, you know, let, let's just use what we've got and what we enjoy doing. And actually having complementary skill sets works really well. Yeah. Um, well, there's obviously a very, very good fit there and it's obviously been very successful, which is why you're, you're sat here. Yeah. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. So you decided to get educated, you decided to take it seriously, you decided to do more of it. So what yeah. did you do? What were the next steps? So we so we signed up to uh, VIP program. Yeah. Um, we started that in January 2015 and went through to December. And through then we'd bought another two HMOs. We'd done uh, a title split where we bought a big 
six bed house that was a, actually a repossession and was was going to auction but we bought it before and split that off into a two bed flat and a six bed HMO kind of like with en suites really luxury one um, and that was all in that year we'd actually st we started pipelining the commercial conversion project that we've just finished and are selling the units on now so that that year was kind of a turning point for us and and actually halfway through James quit his job to, to work in the business full time but you so, you at that stage were still working full time I was yeah well we both were yeah we both were at the beginning of the year and then by June he had he'd handed in his notice to to work on our property business full time but I was still working yeah right. so we just, I was just doing it on the side and, and and in many ways that was that was one of the hardest things because I think James was doing a full day of property and then, you know, and then I get home from work and I'm invigorated to be talking about property and he's been doing it all day and mm. he wanted to have his evenings and weekends. And, and, and I think we only did that for so we could only do that for so long, which is why it was only a year until I then um, kind of handed in my notice and, and, and jumped in full time as well. OK. Yeah. Now, you said that all very quickly. Sorry. No, 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 no that's fine. No, but, but let's unpack that a little bit because yeah. that was a really busy year. So you did two, let's start with the HMOs. You did mm -hmm. two HMOs. Yeah. So, so we actually. So how, how did you find them? What were they? So what size were they? What, I, what, what's your model? Uh, to start with, uh, we actually we actually bought them from property sources locally. Mm. We we kind of knew that we didn't really have the time and, and, and weren't really that fussed about doing the sourcing element. Um, and I'd done the deal packaging course as well, um, so I, I understood how the sourcing, you know, how the fees worked and what we should be looking for. And, and actually that was really good because we didn't start a sourcing business, but having seen that side of it means that when you buy, you actually are educated in that, in that side as well. Mm. So that was really good. So we bought, we bought two from, from property sources, which probably w w weren't as good to, to start with uh, as, as they were advertised, but actually have worked out really well now. And one of the biggest lessons we learned from those was that we didn't go in and do a full refurb when we bought them. We should have got them we, we bought them with tenants in and we thought that's great because they've got revenue coming in. But actually, our model now is just strip it all out and start again. Mm. So that was a really good learning. But sorry, mm. back to the point. Mm. We, we bought two uh, through property sources to start with. Mm. And then the third one that we split from a house into an HMO and a flat, um, we just got through an agent. Um, and it was it was horrible. It was actually absolutely horrible condition, which is good. Uh, we, yeah, well, it's it's great. I walk in, you think actually, yeah, it's got a lot of potential. Mm. Um, so, yeah. and you found that yourself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just through a, lo a local agent, mm. um, just just through building up the relationships there. Um, they actually took us to see a different pro property. Um, they were all too, they were taking us around really nice properties. I don't think they understood mm. our. Mm. What, we didn't communicate well what we wanted. They were taking us around these really nice plush HMOs that were, you know, ready to go and really expensive. And I was like, "This, no, 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 you've got, you've got this wrong. I want an absolute dog, you know." Mm. Um, and then they showed us one, and it was brilliant. So, mm. yeah. Well, it sounds like a, quite a sizable project. It was for, for yeah. so early in your property career. Yeah, I think it pr probably was. Well, it was definitely bigger than we thought it was going to be. I think in the end, we ended up spending about one hundred thirty thousand on it. Which anyone that's done a refurb on a house knows that's a, that's a pretty big, mm. um, a large sum of money to spend, um, and that was one of the catalysts for James uh, leaving his leaving his job. Really, is we needed someone to project manage it, mm. um, and yeah, it was fantastic, and it's actually still one of our best HMOs. So you kept it, got, so yeah, 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 we kept it. Yeah, kept both parts, or yeah, part? kept both parts, yeah. um, and we've actually done, uh, we've actually got a service accommodation unit in the flat now. Um, it was a single let, and now we've put it into service accommodation. It's working really well. Right. Um, okay. And we've got a six-bed HMO up, uh, upstairs. So. 
And during this time, you say you were pipelining the commercial conversion yeah. that you just finished. So tell, yeah. tell me about the commercial conversion. So, again, I, I, I was looking for different projects and, and um, looking on various websites, and this, this project came up, and I went to have a look at it, and uh, I thought, this is amazing. It was, a, it was actually an old care home. Um, and actually, back to the 6 six bit HMO, sorry, I just remembered, we actually took the project along to one of our mentoring sessions with um, Tasha and Karen, mm-hmm. uh, who are some of the mentors in VIP. VIP yeah, yep. mentors, yeah. And uh, we were like, I'm not sure about this project. It's a bit big for us and, you know, where we are. And they, and they did. They looked at the numbers we'd done on it and they looked at the floor plans and everything and they were just like, you've, um, you've just got to do it. And I think that's one of the key benefits of VIP is that mm. you... Um, you, you, you can go along, you can take your deals along and, and actually have someone say, you know, this stacks on paper, you should just do it. And, and to be able to see other people that have done it as well mm. uh, makes you think, actually, yeah, I can do that. Mm. Um, and that's one of the best things we got out of it. Because me and James hold each other quite accountable. So it wasn't the accountability so much, but the actual being able to see other people that are along the journey and then have the experienced mentors say, this this is a totally doable. You just need to surround yourself with professionals and things mm. like that. Was, yeah, yeah. So that was a key benefit. But the, yeah, so we started pipelining the uh, the commercial conversion deal, which was a care home that mm. we ended up splitting into ten flats, ten mm. luxury apartments, mm. and we we've sold all of those now. And uh, we've actually, I think we're still waiting for three to the sales to complete, but the other the other seven have uh, completely sold. So we've got the got the money in. So. Brilliant. That was really good. And I say pipelining because it actually took longer than the... We, we, we started looking at it towards the end of our VIP year. And it, as these things do, it always mm. takes a while to negotiate mm. and to actually... Um, probably from our side as well, the same as with the other HMO project, actually, to give us a kick to say, we can do this. Mm. Um, takes a while. It does. I mean, any, any big deal takes a long time. Yeah. The bigger the deal, the longer it takes. Absolutely. It yeah. the general rule. And it's quite a jump up again from doing HMOs that we'd got source for us to then go to an HMO we're spending 130,000 on a refurb to then go up to you know 1.4 million GDV project is a, a fairly big jump so but but again back to the kind of um, surrounding yourself with professionals we'd actually met our JV partner through a networking event down in Plymouth and he'd helped us with some of the architecture on the six bed HMO that we that we split into a six bed and two bed flat so we started working with him then, and then he became our JV partner on the care home deal as well. And now we've got a full-blown development company um, with him. So it's interesting. kind of that stepping stone to working with people. Yeah. A, a JV partner in the sense that he's helping to provide the finance, or he's just helping to provide No, I suppose, sorry, JV partner might be the wrong word. He's a, he's a business partner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's got some finance available as well, but he, yeah, it's a, it's a business partner. And, We've got quite good complementary skill sets in our team. We've got mm. um, James that does the project management. I do the finance and stuff. Mm. And then Phil is um, an architect, and his son's a building surveyor, and his wife is um, into interior design. So actually, we've got a lot of components there. We're a really great development company. So that's why we've kind of decided that we're going to take that forward as a as a company in its own yeah. right. So you've got the whole team. So you're right. That's quite a big jump up. That's a, that's quite a big sort of meteoric rise. Isn't it? I mean, if, if that's the right word, that's a very clumsy way of expressing it. But you know what I mean. You've gone from sort of next to nothing to going through yeah. HMOs onto this sort of commercial conversion in a very mm. short space of time. And I suppose the question which I'm wondering is, how did you manage to pay for all that? Um, so we pay for it with um, joint venture, joint venture finance. So we raise money from private individuals. Um, or just on a just on a fixed rate loan agreement basis um, for that, we we 
I think the point is it was a big jump up, but we'd already built credibility through doing the HMOs and through showing that the buy refurb refinance model worked. And we'd had some money out and we'd paid some investors back and we could show that things were um, running profitably. So actually then raising that next amount of finance was uh, what wasn't too difficult. Actually, we got most of the finance we needed through a networking meeting that I spoke at, which is, is another, you don't go into it imagining that, but we just went to talk about our project, where we, the six bed HMO project, just talk about what we did. James and I both did the presentation. Mm. And there was someone sitting in the audience that kind of liked the idea of it, liked, liked me and James, James and I. And, and then a few meetings later, he, he'd, um, he'd, he'd lent us £100,000. So that was, a, that was, that was a, uh, a third of the money that we had to put into the care home project. Mm. That's a great story. So. And so often that's the case, isn't mm. it? And of course, the first time I met you was when I was VIP mentor. Yeah. The yep. second time I met you was when you came on the expert speaker revolution yep. course and you did yep. the five days yep. to yep. learn That's how to it. do the presentation. It, so that obviously paid off. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, I think you can't under uh, underestimate. I, I think there's a lot of focus on social media now. And I think you should do all the, just do as much as you can on social media, tell your story, let everyone know what you're about and then go along to networking meetings. I think the good thing about the networking meetings are you meet people locally and whether they like to invest locally or whether they're based locally and they've got local expertise, it's a really good opportunity. Obviously, you connect with less people than you might do by doing a Facebook video, but but actually it's they're probably um, it's more focused on on that local area, which mm. is really important. Mm. And certainly was for the for the investor that we work with, they were they were they lived in the region, so Mm. Well, it's interesting that you're saying that raising the money, to, money was relatively easy because one of the things which we talk about a lot here at Progressive is the benefits of going out and just talking to people oh, yeah. and the money comes. And I yeah. think sometimes we tell people that and they don't altogether believe it. Yeah. I think, I think, the, I think one of the problems is we, people position it as um, they, they get quite desperate for the money and I think that can sometimes come across if you come across as very desperate for the money. Um, people can pick up on that in the meetings and actually when you're experienced and you've got time and you're speaking to people that have got money and haven't got experience or time, it, it's really an opportunity that you're presenting to them. And I think that's if you start positioning and framing your discussions as an opportunity to invest in a credible business and you've got a certain amount of security and you've built up trust with them, it, you know, it's a balanced equation there's that they're getting a good interest rate and etc mm. and you're getting the money you need to do your projects and i think that's the, that's the way you've got to present it as an opportunity yeah so on the back of those deals those developments james had already given up his job you've now given yep. up yours yeah so you're so, now full-time in property yeah june june 2016 uh well, end of may 2016 i yeah i uh i took the took the took the leap right yeah right so how, how do you actually transition in practice? Because I know that there's people who are going to be interested in, I know loads of our listeners are yeah. probably thinking about sacking their boss yeah. and would love to get into property full yeah. time. But how do you actually go through that transition? Because the cash flow coming from yeah. your developments needs to be able to pay for you and yeah, James and absolutely. you need more to roll into future so, developments. So in, in my mind, there's two ways to do it. You either build up a business that's making enough passively and has enough cash flow to pay you at the level you need to, to live on um, but in my mind, that would would take it would take longer than I was prepared to still be doing my job for. So the other option is just to jump straight in and work out how, how it's going to work later on. So I put aside, practically speaking, I put aside what I thought was about twelve months of, of pay, 
um, to be able to pay myself from, from the savings I had. I was uh, on quite good money when I was contracting at HSBC. Um, realistically, it lasted about eight or nine months, I think, once I'd, um, I'd trying to adjust my lifestyle down from mm. what I was doing before. Um, but yeah, it lasted about eight or nine months, and then it was kind of like serious, right, how are we actually going to pay? So one of the ways that we transitioned James was actually to work as a project manager on the commercial conversion that we did at, um, at the care home. So he had the experience in that, so actually we could say, right, we're going to use you and as a project manager and we can pay you and then that was great because that eased the cash flow burden on our, our our company and then when i did it we were kind of like oh god what are we going to do so um we just looked to service accommodation and we thought actually that's a really good way we could do some rent to rent service accommodation just to be able to cover um you know my my living costs and things like that so by the time my um eight or nine months of, of living costs ran out we had that had that mm. income coming in Mm. So that was really good. And that's why I think I look at people say, whenever you, whenever you say you're in property, people will say, oh, how many houses you've got? And, and I always I say now we've only actually got, in terms of HMOs, we've only got four HMOs and mm. one of which actually we changed to a, to a service accommodation unit. Mm. Um, and I thought, oh, that's not many. We've been doing this ages. But, but the reason is we switched to more, a more of a cash flow model. Mm. The, H, the HMO stuff actually takes quite a long time once you've, you know, you need to raise the finance, then you need to buy it, and then you need to refurb it, and then you need to refinance. And actually, at the end of it, yeah, you've got an asset and you've pulled all your money out, but you might only be left with, if you're, if you're leveraged up quite highly, you might only be left with eight or nine hundred pounds mm. a month, you mm. know, and it, you need a few of them to pay mm. two salaries. Mm. So that's why we kind of, uh, last year, in 2016, we paused that side of it and we said, actually, we're only going to get HMOs through doing large commercial conversions where we, where we keep some of the units. And we actually need to focus on cash flow, which is why we did the rent-to-rent service accommodation. Um, so actually, when people say, "Oh, how many properties you've got?" I'm a bit like, "It's a bit of a weird question," but I know that's what people think is a, like a measure of, measure of success. But, yeah, um, I mean, in property yeah. size doesn't matter, does it? Yeah. It's, it's all about it's all about cash flow mm. and equity, mm. not the number of properties you've got. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. totally yeah. agree. So you're doing service accommodation, and yep. again, that's still down in the West Country. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I'm quite interested because you come up to London quite a lot. Yeah. So I still, I so, still. So why isn't your gold mine area now London? Um, I think we. I just want to have the the business set up down there. My business partner lives in Plymouth. I actually live um, four four days of the week in in North London mm. um, with my partner, um, and three days I'm down in Plymouth. Mm. My business partner's down in Plymouth um, in in Moorview property, and then the commercial conversion side KHP. Um, my business partners are down there as well, and uh, I just like the the yields are good. I know we know the area, we know the student market, and we've become quite kind of expert in that market now. So uh, we've got a great team down there that that, that runs most of the business. So um, yeah, we're just focusing down on there. I think you can split and kind of split your time, and I'd have to get to know a new area in London mm. and things like that. So I think I think I, I would like to invest more in London um, or invest in London at some point, but. For now, Plymouth's a good, good gold mine area. Like yeah. it down there. Fantastic. Now you're quite heavily involved with technology. Interested in technology? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Tell, tell me about yeah. that and how do you use it for your business? Um, so we've we've got we use all of the apps. We love we love using DocuSign. We have all our we do all our ASTs on DocuSign. We use Arthur for our um, property management and tenant management. Um, and yeah, we just we just like to integrate it where we can. Uh, we've got a virtual assistant in the Philippines that supports the business, who, who's great as well. Um, we we can Skype with him, and I just think 
your part of your competitive advantage is is having a low cost base and mm. being able to keep your overheads low through technology is, is fantastic to be able to do that and be able to pass that saving on to your customers, whether that's the your tenants or your clients in terms of the um, property owners for the properties you manage. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Yeah. And things yeah. have moved on so much. Yeah, it, it's hard to imagine, but when I started in property, that wasn't even right move. Really? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's crazy, isn't it? But there we go. But oh, nowadays yeah. you can do so much, can't you? But, yeah, and absolutely. it's changing the whole time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. What, what are the sort of the key apps and the, and the key bits of technology that you'd suggest for somebody who's starting out? So we use Arthur for uh, tenant management. Um, so that has all of our, that contains all our property uh all the property information, all the tenancy information. It syncs with Zero, which is the um, accountancy and bookkeeping mm. software we mm. use. So it will actually tell us when there's rents missing and it will reconcile the rents automatically. Um, what else do we use? We use DocuSign, which is um, e-signatures. We just mm. we just do that for everything. Um, we use iAuditor, which is a, a checklist app. So you can create a checklist and then you can have various people um, that you want there to be able to access it. So we use that. Um, for doing the property inspections and things like that. Um, what else do we use? Um, we use Asana for uh, for kind of task management with the team. Um, we use Kigo, which is a channel manager. Which yeah, there's there's loads. I, yes, there there are a lot. Um, and I think you just need to try them out. Try out the the fr try out the free versions first and and get a taste of it, and then yeah. Yeah. It's so, so useful, isn't it, nowadays, yeah. to be able to sort of streamline the business Absolutely. and take a lot of that drudge work off you. Absolutely. Yeah. We, we, use, we use Kigo, which I know a lot of people, for the, for the service accommodation, that's a channel manager, and, and I know a lot what, of people What's the channel manager? Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. For anybody who's <laughs> so a channel manager, if, if, a channel would be something like Airbnb or Booking.com, which mm. is your platform where you can advertise um, and they take your bookings and things like that. So if you don't have a channel manager, you have to manage your calendar and your bookings and your, uh, you know, everything else manually. Um, and you have to, when someone books on Airbnb, you have to quickly scuttle over and cross out the dates on your booking.com calendar so you don't get a double booking. And we got a couple of double bookings when we were doing that. And we were just like, this isn't scalable. We only had well, like one or two properties, at, uh, service accommodation units at the time. We were like, when we, when we have more than this, it's going to be impossible. So the investment in a channel manager, it's like a couple of hundred quid a month and it syncs everything, so your syncs your rates and availability, so you can change your prices once and it will feed out to all the platforms. If someone books via Airbnb, it's instantly blocked out on the booking.com calendar. Um, it's got a function where you can collect signed contracts from the guests, so they agree to your terms and conditions, and you can send welcome messages, and you can do revenue management where you can change the pricing. And it's just, you know, for all of that for £200 a month, you imagine if mm. you had to pay someone to manage all of those things, mm. um, would be, yeah, would be a lot of money. So very impressive. Leveraging technology. Very impressive. So where do you see your business going? So at the moment, we're focusing quite heavily on the commercial to residential conversions. Um, we're, we've kind of got a split strategy, um, partially doing flips. So we're doing the next project we're doing is a care home into 22 flats. Which you'll sell. And then, which we'll sell, yep. Mm. And then the, and then at the same time, we're also doing a project where we're changing a, a, like an old town hall into 30 HMO units that wow. we'll keep hold of. Mm. So we've kind of got the balance of, of you know, cash flow, but then actually having enough kind of chunky money coming in to be able to pay down your loan to value and also to have a bit of money to kind of live on and things like that. So and again, all financed through JV Partners? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've we've used, so we've got JV uh, Partners that do just straight interest rate investments. We've also got, um, we're taking on equity investors for the um, care home flip project. 
And we've also leveraged crowdfunding as well. So we've used um, crowd property. Um, well, that, that was to fund our the last care home conversion we did. Right. So that was where we, you put it. You put it on uh, the platform, and then you get members of the public investing um, from. I think it's five hundred pounds is the minimum, and they can earn up to I think it's about eight percent on the money. And crowd property holder first charge on behalf of all of the lenders, so it's quite a secure way to to lend as well. So that was quite interesting doing that. Right. Now let's just stop there. <laughs> sound, well, this sounds really interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's all very interesting. <laughs> Crowd property. Yeah. And essentially, it's crowdfunding for property deals. Yep, absolutely. And it's bespoke for property deals. Yep. Which is useful because a lot of the crowdfunders won't touch property. Absolutely, yeah. So this is cool. And what's the sort of criteria for property deals that they'll take on? Um, so you have to have planning um, or an exit without planning. So if there's something you can do with it. So for our one, we, we didn't have planning actually when we got the funding, but there was another option that we could have done a, an HMO with the, with the care home rather than mm. flats. So well, that got through, but they prefer, I think they prefer you to have planning. I think they do 75% uh, loan to value of purchase price and then 100% of development costs. Mm. Um, the, the main things they look at are the team experience and who you've got or if you, if you haven't got experience yourself that you're surrounding yourself with professionals and they're in the, in the budget and the, the deal itself and the local area and things like that but the, the main things they're focused on is the deal and the security and the team right. and we had a great team so yeah. that's why we got the funding but it's, it was set up by a load of ex and current property developers so they understand mm. where you might not get that understanding from the bank they actually understand how property deals work and you know Things like that. So there's a bit more of a relationship. And how much did you raise through them? We raised. Oh, you put me on the spot now. Uh, five hundred and fifty, I think, for the build, and to six, I'm going to say six hundred, six or seven hundred thousand. Mm. Mm. But I have to check that. Um, someone can verify that on yeah. the. It's still uh, the, the, yeah. the, the the deal is still on the crowd property site. And yeah. the other thing I'd say about it is it's great um, credibility and it's great mm. exposure because your deal goes out to load hundreds and maybe thousands of property investors that they've got on their database. Um, it's all on, on the public website and they can see how your funding's going. At the time, we funded it quite quickly. I think it took a week or two to well, get funded. I was going to say, how long did yeah. it take to get the well, 500,000? It took, I think it took a week or two to get funded, which is fantastic. Maybe it took longer than that. Um, but nowadays, it's crazy. They, they get funded in like a day. Really? In like a couple of hours. Mm. Yeah, it's really, really taken off. I think they have a, a lot, that site in particular have a lot more investors than they do deals. So again, if people that are listening have got deals, then then they should go and check out that site and other sites like Simple Equity and Simple Simple Backing. They're all kind of crowdfunding for debt or equity mm. projects um, because they've got a lot of money that people want to invest. And there's things that you can do now with pensions and cash ices, and they're you're, they're going to bring in I think cash ices that you can certain type of ices you can invest in crowdfunding deals and you know it's it's all changing the landscape's changing so yeah that was a really good experience actually yeah Enjoyed that well i'm sure it was yeah. to get 500,000 yeah. in a couple <laughs> yeah. of weeks is a fantastic yeah. experience yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah but as you say a lot of it hinged on the team and you've been very diligent in the way that you've put mm. your team together yeah how do you how did you how did it happen and how do you work together I mean, do you have the same vision and values? Yes. Yeah, so that, that was actually really important. So we did some um, we did some strategy we did some strategy work with uh, Jackie um, Jackie Tomes who, who's, oh, okay. who's who's helped us out with some strategy stuff. She, she's fantastic, and the the stuff we went through to identify our vision and our values and where we wanted to go really just cemented the team that we already had. Um, 
and it made us realise things like we wanted to focus on historic buildings and, and heritage buildings and, and listed buildings because that's really where the passion in the team was. We weren't really interested in doing a lot of projects where you know we were just doing new builds and things like that. We wanted to actually convert historic buildings. But actually having different skill sets but aligned vision and values is, was really important and that was part of the work we did with Jackie that, that really helped that. Mm. Um, I think to start with when it was just myself and James in Moorview Property, um, we, we knew that we wanted to do the same thing. We had a line vision. We were already fre- uh, really good friends, so that really helped. And um, we, But we had different skill sets and what he liked doing, I didn't like, and you know, vice versa. So that really that worked really well. And then when we, when we met Phil, our, our other JV partner um, or business partner, he had different skill sets, but again, kind of a similar vision and what he wanted to get into. And he'd been educated and he'd done property education and all that kind of stuff. So... Um, yeah, opposing, I suppose the summary would be opposing skill sets, but an aligned vision and values is, mm. is absolutely key. Mm. Um, you don't want to be doing the same jobs because you'll just be getting on it, treading on each other's toes. So. Mm. But we've all settled into our, like, what we're good at and who's the expert in various areas. And we still have disagreements and things like that. And I think that's healthy to have debate um, with the, within directors within a company. But it's actually, it's all very respectful and everyone knows um, who's the expert in certain areas and we'll defer to them usually so mm. yeah, and it's, it's obviously working well it is it's just the beginning but it is yeah it's working uh, working well at the moment yeah. Thanks, yeah. right now we've almost come to the end of our time yeah. I know you're only 30 <laughs> <laughs> but you've come an awful long way since you're yeah. working in the chip shop yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so what, what's, what's the best thing about being a self-employed property entrepreneur for you I think it's the uh, I think it's the, the time the time freedom and the ability to do things that you, you really enjoy. You know, there's a lot of challenges and a lot of um, times when you'll be thinking, you know, you've got the, you've got a lot of responsibility, you've got staff and you've got payroll that you need to make and you've got cash flow issues and things like that. But um, actually being able to like have the time to come here and do this um, like with you and actually talk about my experience and hopefully help others. Um, being able, being have, having the flexibility to be able to go and do things with my fiance and things like that. And, and okay, if I want to work at the weekend, I can, and then I can have some time in the week. I think that's that's what I like the most, and that's what I didn't like about my the job, even though it was well paid and things like that. It wasn't wasn't doing what I wanted to do, and also wasn't affording me flexibility and mm. freedom to do those things. Mm. Um, and you know, my mum comes down to Plymouth to visit um, when I'm down there, and I can just go out, and we we've got we can go out on the boat, and uh, you know, go around the go around the hoe and. Um, stuff like that and that's really nice to be able to do that even if it is during a you know nine to five working week I can actually take the time out to do that and the team are managing the, the business and you know it's not all easy you have to do the work at some point so you have to do it evenings and weekends but yeah I like that that's interesting nice. interesting yeah. I haven't mentioned the money yeah I think or, or the cars or anything you're not well, a car person or yes but I think if it was just about the money I would at the I, I was earning more when I was you know, at HSBC. I know that in the long run, in the next couple of years, I'm going to be earning more than I was there. But actually, um, the money's fine. But if you're not enjoying what you're doing mm. every day, it's, mm. it's just pointless, really. And that's actually, people that know me will know that's a massive mindset shift from a couple of years ago when mm. actually it was all about the money. But yeah. um, when I was when I was still working, but no, it's, it's much more about building a business. One of the things I like the most at the moment is actually our team meetings that we have. And we get the full team together for a couple of hours every month, and um, 
and I, I just really love them. I love going around and sh everyone sharing their successes and challenges and how we can make the business better and things like that. And I really like the culture that, that we're building in, um, in Moreview and KHP. Mm. Um, and that's one of the most rewarding things, I think. Um, okay. So, yeah. so but the flip side is, what's the worst thing about being a self-employed property entrepreneur? The, the worst thing is probably that the buck stops with you on everything. Um, and it's always your fault. You know, either if anyone does anything and you're like, oh, God, why have they done that? It's, it's, it's your fault. And um, that can be stressful at times. And, it, you know, some, as I said, you can take time out to spend time with friends and family and things like that. But at the same time, if there's something going on in business that needs your time, maybe you can't go, you can't go away that weekend or you can't do something. And that's probably the hardest thing because um, actually not being able to have that flexibility sometimes and always having, you know, all the financial worries and things like that. It always, the buck stops with you. Um, but I've got great business partners that, that share that burden. So it's, um, it's, that's fine. Okay. So... You've come a long way since you first came to the multiple streams of yeah. property income event. You've done an awful lot in a relatively short space yeah. of time. What would be your top tips and advice to somebody who's following in your shoes and is perhaps just about to start in property? Um, so I, I did I did a few uh, presentations on this at networking events. I think uh, I said it was education, partnerships and cracking on. Um, so getting educated is is massively important, I think actually paying and investing to learn from other people's mistakes and, and have encouragement and have people push you and not have to make the mistakes they've made is, is, is totally invaluable. Mm. Um, and it should always be seen as an, as an investment. It's not, it's not a cost. You know, if you invest in yourself, people say it's your best investment and mm. I totally agree. Mm. I think partnerships, so um, surrounding yourself with positive people, experienced people, people that are gonna push you or pull you up rather than you know, push you down. Um, and people that are good at things that you hate. So I've got business partners that love things that I don't and that works fantastically well and vice versa. And then cracking on, which is, um, I tried to make it an acronym, EPC, like the EPC mm, yes. property, but um, cracking on was basically taking action. So just taking massive action. It's all very well, you know, going to the courses and being a course junkie. And, you know, I know I've been to most of the courses that Progressive do, but actually it would all mean nothing if we hadn't mm. then gone away and, and actioned what we'd learned. Um, the, the weeks and months after those courses so that's that's the biggest thing just take action and start just I think Rob says get perfect later but just just crack on and mm. get going and you'll learn through the process um, but just get started yeah definitely totally agree so for anybody who's been listening to this who might want to contact you yep. or see more of what you're up to yeah do you have a website can they contact you yeah the, the, the best place is probably on Facebook so um, the uh, it's KHP Group UK. KHP. KHP, yeah. yeah. Uh, Group UK or Moreview Property, M-O-O-R-V-I-E-W Property on Facebook. And then you can find me through that. Uh, Morat Jeffrey Hakey is my Facebook name. Or to drop me an email, Morat at khpgroup.co.uk. M-U-R-A-T right. at M-U-R-A-T, yeah. -A -T, yeah. yeah. <laughs> at khpgroup.co.uk okay. uh, is probably the best way, yeah. Fantastic, so. but we'll just go to Facebook. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, Mo, it's been great to have you on today. Thank you very much for Very me inspiring, very encouraging. Great to see somebody who was pretty much just starting out when I first met yep. you, now doing the most amazing things. Yeah. And love to come get you back here and say in a couple of years time yeah absolutely. and see how much further you've taken it yeah lovely thanks very much peter fantastic so i've been peter jones this has been the progressive property podcast if you have any ideas for any subjects you'd like covered 
Let us know, get in touch through the Progressive Facebook group or message me directly. And if it looks like a good topic, which we can all benefit from, we may do a podcast. In the meantime, here's to successful property investing.